0: Fellow teammates, continue to move swiftly. I'll talk more soon. I'm gonna fuck this up, right? Focus, take whatever it is you're making right now, and I'm telling you, we will see a Completely different the alright? Fellow teammates, continue to move swiftly. I'll we'll talk more soon. <laughs> going to to the Teammates, 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 we are back once again. If this is your first time listening to the Move Swiftly podcast, Welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you. I know you're going to be back for some more. To my regular listeners, here we go again. Mr. ABC, always be connecting. You know, I'm finishing my workout at LA Fitness and I just kind of spark up a conversation with someone. And it turns out, you know, we have a lot of great things in common. He's doing some great, great work. And here it is. Jeffrey Jeffrey White. Welcome to the Move Swiftly podcast. The founder, the founder of a company. Before I even bring you I gotta, I got to put the company name out there of ARM, Asset Risk Management. Welcome to the show. How are you?
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Great to meet you, Aswand at LA Fitness. Uh, and that's very, very uh, interesting because
0: a lot of things happen by chance, which are great in life. Would you agree? 1,000%. 1, 1,000%. 1, because what I saw, and I, I kind of alluded to this even when we were talking to LA Fitness, but what I did right out of college, I was kind of the third-party guy. I was. I wasn't a sports agent, like for pros, I was kind of the guy going to certain high schools and soliciting my services to help high school kids get to college. So I was looked at as some agent type guy. And you had shared with me that before you even started your company, the company that you founded now, you spent some years as a sports agent. So, you know, that, that, if you don't open your mouth, teammates and listeners, if you don't open your mouth, you're just never going to get there. You're never going to meet people if you don't open your mouth and have conversations with people. So uh, I think the best way actually to start the conversation off is, you know, can you just give us a little bit about your background and, you know, how you became a sports agent and then where, you know, where things started to, to kind of transition and things like that? Uh, yes, I'm uh, happy to tell you, and uh, I love sharing
1: my story. Uh, right, I became a sports agent, but it, ne- it was not necessarily my intention. Uh, mm. I should Sports side, I've I've spent a, a lifetime as an equestrian, uh, but even there, I had to I worked my way in. I learned how to do that by you know basically uh, when I was a kid mucking stalls in exchange for lessons and that sort of thing. Um, but you know I had I had sort of two two bookends, which was I really you know love the horses, uh, and I don't know where that came from because it certainly wasn't like my parents were super wealthy or anything like that. Uh, but then <laughs> right. also. Yeah, right. So, but also, I was a, um, uh, I studied music as a kid and went on to you know study classical music in university, and um, uh, so I, I I became a symphony musician. Uh, but there was one thing that kind of occurred to me when I was finishing school was that there was this other side of being a a, a, a symphony musician, which was the potential of being a starving symphony musician. So I had the opportunity in New York. Uh, because some of my teachers were some great people from like the New York Philharmonic and the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra and the New York City Ballet Orchestra. But, you know, they gave me uh, uh, they gave me the introductions to get into uh, management at, at early on in my career. And that was a, a tremendous lift up. Uh, so uh, uh, but still, you know, I'm still not a sports agent, as you can hear. Uh, but at that time, I had the opportunity to represent the basically for all intents and purposes, the Chamber Orchestra of the New York Philharmonic. Uh, it was called the Philharmonia Virtuosi of New York, and then I went on to manage one of the, the top five modern dance companies in the world, uh, the Eric Hawkins Dance Company. Uh, you may not, your audience may not know these names, but anyway, uh, you can get the idea. Uh, so, but in that course of things, uh, how I became a sports agent was that, that I had an opportunity to create a sports event because I was simply asked to to fulfill something. I I knew a gentleman who was the uh, he was the public relations officer for an airline for Air India, and he asked me to put together an entertainment package for a hotel they owned in in Bombay, India. That was before it was called Mumbai. And so I did, and I learned that there was this huge cultural exchange going on. And this kind of this is going to segue a little bit through uh, what we talked about early on, which was that sometimes just things happen, we end up in a conversation, and where does yeah. that lead? So, so here, here I am, I'm over there, but I find out there's this huge cultural exchange going on between the United States and India. It's called the Festival of India, co-chaired by at the time, Nancy Reagan and Indira Gandhi. So I just you know, have the thought, well, there must be a project in here for me. And uh, so I go home, we had a you know, great experience in India and I thought it was like totally awesome and cool to have an airline uh, as, a, you know, as a sponsor that I could go places uh, and have adventures. And so um, I go home and I just opened up one of my old equestrian books. And by the way, I had really given up the, the equestrian sports. I was focused on what I was doing in New York. Mm-hmm. And so um, so I opened up just to a page where it, it, uh, and in the lower left-hand corner, I can see it to this day, it was a picture. And it said, Polo was discovered in India in 1849 in silk chair by the British cavalry. And I, I'm thinking, oh, I always thought that that was a British game. And mm-hmm. so, thought, well, the Indians would love that they could promote the fact that this was uh, all about them, that they, they were really the origin of that particular sport. And so, um, so I had an, a meeting coming up with a, the director of the Americas for Air India, the airline. And, uh, and I had also promised the, the orchestra of the of New York Philharmonic, uh, the, the Chamber Orchestra that I would pitch him a tour of India. So I go in and I do that. And he tells me, I hate Western classical music. But he says, I would like to introduce you to my, my marketing director, which in New York means I'm getting rid of you. You're gonna be on the street in a little bit, but I'm not gonna be the one to do that, <laughs>
0: okay? So,
1: hmm. so, uh, so anyway, I go in there and I, I um, uh, you know, tell him the orchestra, and he says, yeah, I hates that. And then I say, well, how about a polo exchange between the United States and India? And we can get ABC wide world of sports involved and uh, oh, wow. you know, Charles and all that stuff. And he goes, now you're talking our language. Now, I want to say I had actually never been to a polo match in my at that point in my life. i would never seen a polo match uh, televised or in person. And so, but he asked me this question. He says, how many players are on a team? And so I just guessed and I said four and I just happened to be correct. There are four, four players on, on a polo team. So he said, great. And I walked out with a really pretty juicy sponsorship package. So I call up my friend and I say, I can't believe what I've just done. I've just oversold this. I mean, how would I ever pull that off? I mean, what, ABC, Prince Charles and all that stuff. And he says, well, says, if you hadn't said that, you wouldn't have walked out with that sponsorship. So now go figure it out. So I kind of you know, looked at the phone and said, okay. And, um, but I did, you know, I, in fact, that's how I ended up here in Wellington, Florida. I called up Palm Beach Polo. And t- told them about it, and they said great. They invited me to come down here. I flew down, and you know they said we're in. Then I go back to New York, and then uh, Air India then um, uh, Air India then uh, introduces me to His Highness the Maharaja Jaipur. Now, mind you, I'm a kid from New Jersey. Now I'm yeah. Know, that,
0: actually, that's what I was going to say. Like you're you're kind of fresh at this thing. Like you, it seems like you're having to go out and make a lot of things happen, and it's like it's happening very impromptu that's, that's what, what's getting me about it
1: that that's the thing and it's uh, now you know like uh, i i'm sure we've all heard of like if, uh, luck is when preparation meets, meets opportunity. opportunity yep so you know as a matter of fact going back to my early days when i was like mucking those stalls and that sort of thing to change for lessons i i read this really great quote which stays with me to this day Which which like this. In order to do great things, one must first learn to do small things well. Mm -hmm. And so, with that, I used to like sweep the aisle uh, to perfection, and those you know, clean those stalls and clean that tack and do all that sort of stuff. You know, in my mind to perfection. And so, I had no idea you know what my future would be, but all I knew was that was that sounded like the right thing to do. Mm So, so it's like anything to build up habits like that. So, so anyway, so there you know, off and running. Um, and, you know, long story short is that, you know, I actually, over time, uh, I had the, the incredible privilege of becoming friends with His Highness the Maharaja Jaipur, We did wonderful things, you know, in different places of the world. And, and Prince Charles was involved, and we actually had a fellow who was one of the builders of ABC-wide World of Sports, agreed to do a television show on this thing. So all the things that I said happened, maybe not exactly, but, you know, they happened. And it was totally cool. So, you know, again, impromptu, uh, like you say. So now this is some years later and I'm in a meeting uh, and uh, with a colleague of mine, with uh, a group that had a, a, um, a hockey, an ice hockey um, uh, property, okay? And so they, um, they, they did things, in different parts of the world and we're pitching them. Uh, and there was this guy in there from this company called IMG, okay? And that's a company that was started by Mark McCormick. His first client was Arnold Palmer, second was Jack Nicklaus, and third was Gary Player. And he right. built that up into a multi-billion dollar company. Uh, and uh, uh, so anyway, so this guy is, he's pitching IMG. And I'm thinking, hey, I wanna go work for that company, okay? So wow. I see John that company, okay? So they ended up, <laughs> they ended up hiring me to Bringing me in to to consult with the Polar World Championships of 1989. You know, I'm kind of just leveraging off of my polar experience, right? Because you uh, already
0: had that experience, and and I hate to cut you off on that point, but you and you've you've actually told me a little bit about this when you listen to the shows before. But as listeners, this is the point that this is one of the takeaways, one of the things I'm making sure you guys are pulling away from. Stay ready. Stay ready for your opportunity. All right. Just when he met the people at IMG, or when you know, and I'm sure as a listener, you're you're familiar with IMG because it's become a boarding school in in uh, I think it's a uh, not Saint right, Petersburg, right. Barrington, or yeah. uh, what what is it again? Well,
1: that's the IMG Academy, and that's that's yeah. by the way, that's you know, a lot of people in Florida think that's IMG. That's just that's well, it's a great thing, it's a school, but oh, IMG yeah. Corp is like all over the world, you know, in right. countries,
0: London, everywhere.
1: And, you know, manages great people and, you know, works with the Olympics and all that sort of stuff. But go, go ahead.
0: Right. No, I mean, the point I was making is that you were ready. And then the minute something like an IMG came into your space or like you had the opportunity to meet them, boom, you were ready when it came to the polo, your polo experience. And this was like you knew nothing about it, but you learned it and my point to the, to the listeners, make sure you're staying ready because you never know when that opportunity is going to come. It could come like literally as it, soon like right now, but you have to be ready. You're not going to be able to take advantage of it. If you're not ready.
1: A hundred percent, totally cool. And, and that's the thing. And that's, that's the, the greatness of life and that it's filled with opportunity. Uh, but you know, one of the things that I learned over time uh, because you know, a lot of times I'll just be straight up. Is that I, I would find myself in circumstances where which were over my head, and I really didn't have the ability to quite pull it off, and and I would lose some opportunities. So you know, it became clear to me what the problem wasn't opportunities, was problem was abilities. So yeah. my focus is is to this day is to increase my abilities to to be to be equal to my opportunities, um, and so that's a, uh,
0: that's a, a mindset. Yes, the mindset. That is it. So you're so did you did you move forward with IMG? Like, how did that happen once you met the people at IMG? What well,
1: yeah. I mean, I finally, I finally did get an offer to go to work for them. And it was originally in sales. So that would be, say, sponsorships and uh, endorsements, that sort of thing. And just as a comment on that, because I had my own business uh, at that time. And uh, but I took that job, you know, I've been away from having my own business and I. Um, I I came home and 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 uh, so my wife she asked me a question. What do you when I got the job offer? What do you think the question was?
0: What do you want to do?
1: Okay, well that would be one I mean, I should, I should, <laughs> She asked me, "What are you going to make? Right? How much money are you going to make? Right?"
0: Money I, and money, right there. should have that should have been the first one. You can see I'm not married.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's you know <laughs> that's what a wife's going to ask. So great. Yeah. So, how much money you make, right so it was like about half of what i was making so she cried okay but you know i said no no, no this is gonna be good this will be great so i went on and you know sure enough i surpassed that by a long shot in in time it took took a bit you know it took a few years but it was so the money wasn't not, not necessarily the first part but you know it the opportunity was there and by the way i started out in sales and getting into img i mean it was incredible i mean it was just like it was It was a dream i mean fantastic i mean with with great people and um you know a lot of my colleagues were like had their you know harvard mbas and stuff like that and i i I, I hit my you know i was like studying music but you know but i'm there so it doesn't matter you know like once you have that position you're in and you got to make it work but it was totally cool And, and um um you know, one of the things uh, I think it's important to bring up is that still mm-hmm. in, in life, there's there's continuous struggles, okay? So even though you might have like, you know, like you think it's the greatest thing ever, um, and I became an ideas person, uh, and eventually they actually did build a division around me called Special Projects, but one of the projects that I had um, uh, was actually, um, uh, and maybe, maybe we don't have time to tell the whole story today, but you know. So actually
0: I created- this, is, this is the Move Swiftly podcast. No time limits, and, and nothing's off limit. You can roll, man. You can roll.
1: Okay, all right. So, so at the time, I had uh, a client, which was the Casino Association in New Jersey, and they were paying us a pretty hefty monthly retainer, and that's that was all the twelve casinos in Atlantic City, and um, you know at the time there was Atlantic City, and there was Las Vegas, and a couple of you know river bro- riverboat. Uh, Casinos, but you know, not like it is today, where the casinos are all over the place. So, you knows Atlantic City and Las Vegas. So they hired us to, you know, to to create events to drive traffic. But you know, like Las Vegas, people go like for four or five days, and um, and they take a vacation. And, and like so many people would go for like four and a half hours, they on a bus, and they go there to pull the slots, right? Sort of thing. So it's a whole different demographic. So, you know, so what have we got? We got golf events and tennis events and, you know, these kind of like really high end events, but nothing is really working. So I'm actually failing on this with this account. And, um, you know, you get a little bit nervous about that. And mm-hmm. so so this, there was this guy that I knew again, this we're going to be talking about for two of his stuff. So this guy, I knew, he's a lawyer and he becomes chairman of a company called Jackson Communications, and that was the, the 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 Jackson family, you know, like Michael Jackson and Tito and and, and Marlon and uh, uh, Rebe and uh, and the, you know the whole family, right? So Jackson Communications. So he calls me up, and so he says, "I you know I, hey, I got Jermaine and Tito in New York, and would you take a meeting?" So you know we had really nice offices in New York, and uh, you know we called uh, one room was called the Oak Room. Would you can imagine that was like with uh, you know, uh, uh, like uh, oak uh, everywhere and then the front room, which is all marble and, you know, it's like, there's it IMG? So the reality was that he he wanted, uh, he, he needed to kind of like, you know, impress the Jacksons, kind of a new thing he's got. And he's got to look good. So I knew yeah. that. So, so anyway, so he scheduled this meeting and it's like around say two o'clock in the afternoon and I take the elevator down and I've been busy with stuff and so as I'm going down the elevator, I'm thinking like this, Jack, the Jacksons, the Jacksons. Okay, what am I gonna talk about there? So, you know, I open the door, come in, You know, we greet each other and we sit down and we start talking. And then and all, all I wanted to do, I only had one objective, which was to have a great meeting, okay? Nothing more, okay? Just a great meeting. And so um, so I just start talking, you know, things, a stream of consciousness, things that come to mind. And so I just, uh, uh, and you know, like I'm kind of like um, I'm I'm reaching there myself to find some good things to say. So I say, you know, you Jacksons, you've just done so much for the music industry. You
0: know, mm-hmm. like
1: look look what you did with, with uh, Motown Records and Barry Gordy, and you know between Jackson Five and Michael and you know Janet and your careers, I and mean, it's just incredible, right? Mm-hmm. So. So, and that and I said, you know, you guys have received Grammys and so many awards. And then I said this one thing, which is just, again, I'm just trying to make, make nice here. I said, you've received so many awards, it's now time you give them. And they were like, whoa. Okay. So that was like, you know, come on. That was
0: natural, too. I felt it. You said it yeah. naturally. Even as you said it just now, like, that was, that was a natural way because you went into a meeting like that, like, what, you just, you didn't really have any expectations. You just wanted to have a good meeting. And then, boom, you hit them with something that just, that hit me. <laughs> me there, there you go there you go.
1: so imagine this I, I'm now I, the committee's over you know seven goodbyes and all that and I'm riding the elevator uh, going back up to my office on the fourth floor and, I, and and I and I have that that you know that question that you have what just happened <laughs> <Right? Yes. laughs> so you have that question what just happened so and then I went like this bam hey, Atlantic City, they'll love the Jacksons, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so I call up my guy there. The next day they send a limo. I go down there and I have a meeting. I pull out and I pull out now with an agreement. Yeah, they want to do it and a, and a $1.2 million site fee. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: so, um, so anyway, that's, you know, we're off and running. It's like, I think it was like December of 92, if I remember correctly. Okay. And, uh, or, Somewhere like that. Don't don't hold me to it. So um, so anyway. So off and running, and it's great. And so now now all of a sudden, um, you know, <laughs> uh, we have this this uh, this event, and I, I I'm stuck. now I'm working to put the pieces together. And I go out. One of the things I did was I hired this PR firm in New York called Rubenstein Public Relations. They did you know a lot of entertainment type stuff, but their job was to keep this out of the press. Okay, I didn't want anybody to know about it until we had done a television deal, you know, a network television deal. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, so we're going along and we're having our meetings and we're you know, putting things together here. And, um, um, and there's this guy named Sean McManus and he's actually, he, right now he's president of, of CBS Sports, Sean McManus, and, but at the time he was with us on our, our, our IMG's television division, TWI. So, so he's out there, he's pitching this show to the networks And we get turned down by ABC. He's pitching it. We get turned down by CBS. Okay, and then I wake up one morning, and all of a sudden, like this is like the like the front page of the New York Post. The Jacksons are are having a reunion. It's on Entertainment Tonight. I'm going like, oh man, I've just like totally lost it. I'm, I you know, I feel like I now I'm in big trouble. Okay, and it's like lost control. And Mm -hmm. so so. Sean calls me up and goes, NBC just called, and they'll, they want this show, and they'll pay more than any of the networks, and, and so they offered us you know, more money than had been ever paid at that time for a primetime entertainment special, a two-hour two primetime prime special, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and so, of course, the joke is that you know, we'd been turned down by ABC and CBS.
0: Yeah, and that's they, what I was going to ask you. Weren't you. Didn't you try them already?
1: yeah no we've been turned down by them so you know this was like i'm like thinking you know again i'm failing right (laughs) and then and 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 you know and then here it goes boom because of something that i i had thought was what i didn't want was i wanted to keep this out of the press it got leaked to the press i lost control but then what happened we got the the deal with nbc Mm
2: -hmm. right
1: so so sometimes, you know, you you think you you think you're in control, but you're not. But then things happen that are beyond you. And then, you know, that that good stuff happens
0: like that. Well, that, you know, that that really leads me into the next the next thing I want to talk to you about, because now the company you run now, Assets Risk Management, you you like you mentioned, and there's not some fancy degree that you have. You know, you don't have necessarily uh, like a, a financial background, if I'm not mistaken, but. You, you, and I was I was just watching a video before we started recording, like there's people, those clients you've had that have cried because of the security that you give them. You know, some of the things that you give them now, well, you know, how did that, how did you transition into that? You know, what were some of the things that you saw that made you wanna start doing something like that now? Well, um, thanks for asking uh, that, you know, because that's really to
1: my. You're, you're really getting down to that, which is to my heart. And, um, uh you know it, it it occurs to me over time because you know when you're dealing with sports you're always dealing with the money you know like the jeremy oh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> And growing up a football guy from seven all the way to 22. i hear you i hear you it's all about money man i mean kids transfer and retransfer and re-classify. you got Ninth graders that are supposed to be in eighth grade and all kinds of all kinds of nonsense when it comes to the money. Especially it's football and basketball, it's it's ridiculous. It it is insane. If I was to really start on that, I I just probably go on a tangent. So I won't do that to you, man. But you're so right when it comes to sports. It, It it is insane, and you know, and and we struggle, and
1: and people struggle, and so I I was. You know, I face that all the time, you know, like, for example, I'd have I'd, I'd take a meeting with somebody who wanted to be represented by IMG. And I had to say, you know, like, you've got some work to do before you we you, you, you can even get here, you know, so. So it, it um that financial struggle. So, you know, uh, and even my own personal struggle on that. So and also I kind of realized over time that people su- can suffer more from financial difficulties, then they maybe even went from having some kind of disease and then facing even death, because maybe we can accept that. But you know, the pain of, uh, you know, not having your financial life in order is really pretty pretty darn severe. So people suffer a lot from that. So, um, uh, and you know, my and, and I have my, my own story with my, my, I saw my father struggle uh, with that okay. when I was younger. And uh, so, you know, so um, yeah. Um, but so, and also, you know, along the way, you know, I had my ups and downs so, you know, I left IMG. And by the way, I was really uh, in finance in one way or the other, uh, even though I did not at that time have the licenses that I have now, uh, but, uh, but still I was dealing with finance. And even at one point in time, I had the good fortune, again, a fortuitous thing, which I, I worked with Bacardi to put together the, the, the construction the packaging and construction of a, a a glass bottle manufacturing plant, which is a hundred million dollar project. And, and
0: uh, they're, they're actually, is Bacardi from Miami? I think he's like from South Florida somewhere. Is that true? Well, it's got, you know, certainly a lot happening in Miami
1: and a lot of the Bacardi people, but originally it's from Puerto Rico. Well, actually, originally they were from uh, from Cuba and then Cuba. You know, with, a- uh, with Castro coming in back in the day, you know, they, they went over to, uh, uh, to Puerto Rico, uh, and you know they knew they knew sugarcane and they knew rum, and so mm. it's like, hey okay, what are we going to do now? So then, boom, they started Bacardi, and it became uh, Bacardi rums, and, and that sort of thing. But anyway, so that was a, a project I had, and um, uh, and uh, so, um, but you know, act, actually, in in that, at the end of the day, they, I had the experience where they they actually used the. Now we did get paid, but they they used the. Uh, the information we gave them to negotiate their, uh, the, the, the cost down from their current suppliers. So, you know, you kind of have that, you know, you're, you're right up there on the edge. In fact, at one point we had this meeting in the French Alps, not the French Alps, in the Italian Alps, uh, you know, with the top Bacardi people. And you think, you know, like you just nailed it to the kazoos. And, um, you know, had to face and come to terms with that, that project was not going to go forward. So, so, you know, so you have these experiences. So you have your ups and downs, your wins and your losses. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so, you know, so you have that and I've had, I've had, and I've had other things too, where it was, you know, those losses can be really painful. As they say, you know, the higher you climb, the harder the fall. So, uh, mm-hmm. so that, you know, it kind of really hurts. And then you know, things like that, they really affect your family, because now I'm not out there with that sort of safety net of working for a great company like IMG pulling that paycheck. But you know what I do? Uh, it's kind of like, you know, you eat what you kill. And so when you're out there, and you're really, you know, 100% in the market, uh, and so that can have a, a pretty strong effect. And so, um, so long story short, there was a point in time when my son is actually graduating uh, from university with uh, Degrees in finance and economics, and actually, I had a company uh, uh, in in Peru. We had uh, two um, technologies, uh, licensed technologies for mining companies, and uh, we had everything that we thought would would uh, win. But I actually ended up in that case. Now, see, so now I'm talking about my my maybe not my best side, you know. But I we ended up losing a bunch of money, and it was not a pleasant experience. And my son is expecting to. You know kind of take over the daddy's company and at his graduation we had to tell him that that wasn't going to happen uh by oh the my way that happened that day well it happened leading up to that but i you know that was when we had to deliver the news that you know yeah that's
0: He, that's he, he was too, because he's well you got to think he's going to college expecting that you know he's going to these finance classes and he's expecting okay i'm just going to go run the company and then I mean, well actually i don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing because now he sees how business can there's no short thing there's no no guarantees in business you always gotta really you gotta kind of stay in the game you know you can't just settle on one thing
1: well you know uh to tell you he actually says now that was the best thing that happened to him
0: yeah yep exactly
1: yep there we go and um uh and he he did go on, um, he had his, um, his jobs, but then he went back and he got his MBA. Uh, and um, he's now an investment banker uh, doing the Wall Street thing. And he is definitely swinging through the treetops, but you know, he had to, you know, he had to take that hit. And he, you know, that was that resilience in him. Uh, and and uh, instead of like going, oh, you know, well, I'm not going to have daddy's company. Cause he would say like, hey, you know, and mom just go to Paris, we'll send you checks. And uh, that certainly sounded good to me, but, you know, just didn't happen. So, but anyway, you know, going back to, to, to specifically not where, where I am today is Mm -hmm. that now that's always dealing with finance, you know, like I'm running companies. I'm, you know, I was packaging that thing for Bacardi and, uh, you know, an IMG, you know, running those events. And so it was always, always really dealing with the money. And uh, so, you know, so I, so I would say that I've been in finance, you know, really all my career in a sense, going back to. Even you know when I when I when I gave up being a symphony musician uh, and became a, a uh, an arts ma- or a um, uh, an agent for the fine arts in New York, uh, so. But anyway, at this point in time, um, I really decided that you know there's another whole aspect of finance which is personal finance, and while I was uh, while I was experienced in corporate finance. Uh, I realized that I hadn't learned all that I could learn that would protect me because I saw my vulnerability. So with that, I began to learn about personal finance and I got pretty excited about it. And so I ended up uh, doing like financial wellness workshops and teaching others how to, to better their finances and to not make some of the mistakes that I had in that process. And so i you know again i really i i found a great passion for it i went on and now i have what's called the series 65 license which is it's about as high as you can get in personal finance and makes me a fiduciary but I, i i want to tell you that i have more passion for this than anything at any time in my life and that includes img and that time and that experience i love what i do i mean there's nothing better than actually helping somebody with their finance giving them that kind of peace of mind and not only showing them how to fund their life, but how to, you know, really invest in their life. Okay. Right. So it goes way beyond the money. So I find myself being a life coach with, with people because yes. retirement, retirement's a whole other uh, dynamic. And, you know, we, you've heard of uh, the golden parachute, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea is that maybe in that case, it's sort of some senior executive, that um, if he suddenly leaves the company, that he has a golden parachute because it's like jumping off a cliff, right? So the idea is to have a parachute. So a lot of times, you know, people like they retire and they jump off that cliff and they, they miss work. And there's, a, there's that part that's not fulfilling to them because work gives them structure, gives them connections with people, yeah. gives them purpose and identity. Uh, and it also gives them money, mm-hmm. right? So, so you know, so so retirement is is a whole dynamic, and it goes way way beyond the money.
0: You know, and the the big issue is, it's not something that's taught in the school system. You know, the school system teaches us go to school, get a degree, and get a get a secure job. And I didn't I didn't even learn this until I picked up. Robert Kiwashaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, one of my favorites. One of, like, I mean, I, I talk about it on the show all the time. And the, the biggest takeaway I got from that book was, you know, there's assets and then there's liabilities. The point is the, the, the goal should be always putting your money into assets. Now, I think there's this confusion in terms of what an asset is and what a liability is. Can you just kind of touch a little bit about what you know what's the differences or how you go about helping people when it comes to getting their money into the assets so they can retire and they can live that fulfilling life and they they don't have to be they don't have to be so connected to their job because i love that you touch on the fact that someone can retire but then they have no purpose you know their, their identity was in this job for so many years and it's like oh well you know what do I do now I speak to people like that actually there was a judge I think I, I had a client one time she's a ju- when I was a trainer she was a judge and then she retired and I asked her a couple months later how what you know how's it going she's like it's not all as cracked up to me be, because she kind of lost her purpose you know what I'm saying
1: a hundred percent yeah so I mean you know you, you've touched on some really important dynamics there so to kind of like unpack that is that you know like okay so uh Going back to like Robert Kiyosaki's book, yeah, I've read that. It's a great book, and mm-hmm. and uh, made a big difference to me as well. And, uh, and and right, there's liabilities and assets. Like actually, people will think of their home, and he talks about this as an asset, but it's a liability because as long as you're paying uh, a mortgage on that, so anything you have to pay for that's not generating uh, uh, income, mm-hmm. uh, he he considers as
0: a as a as a liability. And that—that's where a lot of people lose. I'm—I'm I'm, I'm telling you, a lot of people don't understand that point because they think their home is the asset, but it, it really isn't.
1: Yeah. So, so see, because ultimately, you want to—it's about if you have an asset, how do you turn it into an income? Okay. <laughs> so now uh, you're your home, you gotta live in. So uh, now you can go out and you can get, say, rental properties, and you can turn that into income-producing um, assets. And, and now it's an asset, right? So. Um, so, but, you know, your assets, if it's, um, if it's a business, now, you know, you, you're, you're drawing up, uh, if you have a, say a small business and you're, you're making money out of it, but it's really kind of all centered around you, um, you know, is that, is, now the asset is, is that it can provide you with that income, but it's just like a job, you know, you don't own a job. Um, you know, if you leave the job, um, it's not like, uh, uh, it's not like you had uh, uh, equity in that. Okay, so that, you know, you don't have, okay, I've got, you know, all this value that I built. You can't sell your job, right? Nope. You know, you, nope. They own so, you. So you, you either leave the job or the job leaves you, but it's not, it's not really an asset. You know, it was, a, it was a, an income stream and it's a good thing. Uh, but, you know, like, so building up assets uh, are, are that which has value, but there's another side to this, which is they have to take that a step further is how do you turn assets into income? Because you can have assets like say, for example, you know, right now the, the, the the market, the stock market, is very volatile. You know, we've lost over 20% on the S&P 500. I think it's over 30% for the Nasdaq 100, and you know, it's all over the news. Uh, as you know, are we in a recession? You know, what's going on there? So, so here, here's also what happens: is that people, you know, they've said built up their nest egg because they put their, they get their 401ks, and it's it's really mostly it's in the market. Uh, there are some other ways to diversify that but you know generally speaking it's it's in the stock market it's in mutual funds or individual stocks so so now if they but what if they happen to be retiring right now okay so if they retire right now and all of a sudden that nest egg has taken a 20 percent hit okay and now they also have to they have to make withdrawals because now they're going to expect to be able to live off of that so that's called double dipping so now what happens now you know like okay The the standard advice that you give and you are given uh, about your you know your portfolio is when the market is is in a downturn, is to is to hold right to to wait and hold. Uh, So because the market will recover, but how long can it recover? Now you if you're if you're taking money out and you've also had losses, uh, you have to get back to a break even. So so it's about protecting those assets and being able to turn to income. So, so these are some of the, the important uh, skills that you, you bring to working with, that I bring or that I work to bring to mm-hmm. retirement planning, which is different from say accumulation or building up wealth. And say when you're younger, like you're in your thirties, correct? Yes. Okay, so I know you've got, you know, 30, maybe even 40 years before you might uh, start taking assets out. So you've got time to to recover, okay? but. Uh, so, but there's also in that time while you're recovering, you're not compounding. So there's, so there's different dynamics here. I might be going a little bit far afield. So let me come back to what you said, which is about the difference between assets and liabilities. So ultimately an asset is something that's going to produce income for you. And so sometimes also um, assets, which are, uh, unless they're liquid or so you can liquefy them and they cannot be readily turned into income, you've got to have a way, you've got to have a pathway to that. So it's about, we call balancing uh, your portfolio, you know, through diversification. So, but it's not just in what we call asset classes, but it's also in risk classes. So now mm-hmm. we're getting a little bit deep on this whole thing, but um, mm-hmm. uh, so, okay, so help me out because I've, I've gone some distance on that. What was the other thing we were talking about here with uh, Kawasaki?
2: Uh,
0: uh, so with so Robert you, the the biggest takeaway I had when I, and you know, when it comes to rich, that poor dad was, you know, he, the way, and you read the book, so you know, this, he kind of talks a little bit about making sure that the money is always going into assets and not into liabilities. And I think what you, what you actually just said in terms of turning your assets into income, that takes it a step further and where, where the direction I really want to go now is, How do we how do we sort of channel our younger people to do that, because where a lot of people lose, where a lot of people lose is and you even actually I think you alluded to this in the video on your website is they lose it because the life, their lifestyle becomes something where they're constantly putting money into what they think is an asset, but it's a liability, you know, so how do we teach how do we teach. Younger people are, like, let's say it's a, a new college graduate or someone that, you know, just got married or is just they're starting life in the real world. How do we teach them to kind of put their money into not just assets, but make sure it turns it into an income?
1: Well, you know, I think it's about uh, actually becoming aware or, or getting in touch with it about how
0: good it can be. Now, we yeah, like oh, to, yes, yes. yeah, you no, know, we like to buy things, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, you know, and, we, and, and you we, know, it's funny, because I had that conversation with my sister years ago, I remember, you know, because, you know, we, we grew up and we would spend money on shoes and clothes, magazines, all kinds of like, yeah. st- CDs. And then when she got her house, <laughs> I, I remember my sister, I was like, you know what, all we really need to buy in life is own a house. Like, if we would just buy a house and own it, I don't think we'd really need anything else. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, yeah. honest with you. <laughs> well, there you go. So, you know, so we like to buy a house, Right.
1: And we like- <laughs> we like to buy dinners out and you know we like to buy vacations we buy things we're kind of you know we're we're made to buy right we like to buy yeah. so so it's about it's about a, a, an important introduction of uh, an important thing that you can buy here an idea you can it's about buying your future oh. you need to you need to buy your future so see when you think about your buying it again then you, it's a purchase then it becomes a um, it becomes a uh, that you own it, you're gonna own your future, you wanna own it, okay? So, so when, when you think about that, you're gonna be willing to commit to that saving and investing and building up because you're really buying your future, you're buying your future freedom. So when you think about that, then you can kind of get excited about it. So it's what we all need to do is we all need to feel great about it. Like for example, um, uh, have you ever taken a vacation, you know, when it's a week or two weeks and go to a special place?
0: Actually, I
1: went on a cruise.
2: That's
0: okay, you went on.
1: The first ever one. So let me ask you this: Did you like, you know, one day wake up and buy the cruise, the next day go, or did you
0: plan it over time? I, I planned it. Yeah, I planned it. It was for my birthday. I planned it.
1: Okay, so it's for your birthday. So it was really special. So now, uh, now once you kind of made a commitment to it, you were, you know, uh, well, first of all, you had to make sure you had the money, so you, had to, you know, go through that process, you mm-hmm. budget that, make sure that that was going to well, so you planned that but then you finally did actually purchase it, right? So, so but you didn't still, once you purchased it, you didn't jump on the cruise, did you?
0: No, no, I didn't. There was a plan I, I see where you're going to. It was like something I planned to do. It was, my birthday's in January. So I planned it around November, right before Christmas to say, you know, I'm not spending as much money on Christmas shopping because I want to save money for the cruise, you know, I didn't spend a lot. On new year's I didn't, actually I didn't even go go anywhere New Year's Day because my cruise was January 2nd the next day so you right. know. there you go right so then so now 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 you've purchased your cruise okay
1: and you've you know sacrificed some things to make sure that that's going to be a good experience because you don't want to overspend in some other areas and you know end up on that cruise stressed out right
2: mm-hmm. so, right
1: so now, but you've purchased this cruise now now you're thinking about that cruise now. Are you kind of like thinking, you know, so let's just say you're, you're uh, you know, like you're just taking a little break and you're just thinking, wow, it's so nice. I'm going to be taking this cruise on my birthday. That's going to be awesome. Did you, did you have good thoughts about that future? Yes. Right. Did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, okay. all, that's
0: all I was thinking about for that month.
1: <laughs> that's right. So you, see, you didn't just purchase a cruise, you purchased a feeling. And, and you actually were able to receive you know, that, that value of that purchase in advance, even before you went on the cruise, right? So, so you enjoyed the anticipation. That was a big deal to you. So how cool is that? So that's the same way. Like if we, if we plan our retirement, we purchase in advance, but we can also, so we don't have to wait you know, all those years. We can actually you know, fantasize about it, think about it, you know, plan it you know, and just, um, uh, and, and if you're, you know, you have somebody that's special that you that you love and fun with, you know, it's about, Correct. hey, you know, won't this be cool? We do this, that, and the other thing. You you enjoy it in advance, okay? So so in other words, it's really important to to plug into that powerful motivation that we have. We like to buy things, okay? And we also get to enjoy them in advance.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> is- and that will, the point you made about having the right partner, I think has to be emphasized, too, especially for you listeners, because the, you can have a plan, but then having the wrong partner and, you know, maybe trying to show off and spend too much on that person and be fake before you're ready, which happens a lot that's another point too that can, can derail you from enjoying the feeling of retirement. So you just got to make sure you're putting the right people around you. And this doesn't this even necessarily refer to romantic relationships either. It could be just the friends that aren't as focused as you are. And that that's something that needs to be be, t- be said as well. Right. Um, and if I can talk about like making money, because going mm-hmm.
1: back, remember I said that the reason that I went on that uh uh, went that direction way back in the day and ended up in, in, in arts management in New York was that was the money, but I didn't want to be a starring musician. So, you know, so I'm looking at the wages. And so, you know, so you're, you're chasing the money, you want the money. So, but I, I've learned over time that money is really kind of the smallest part. There are rewards for our effort. And in fact, the price of uh, life is in fact effort. And maybe at the end of that is happiness, you know, like so, so you got money and happiness, but what's in between that? Because there's kind of a cycle uh, that uh, it's, a, it's a recycling too. So you know, what do you acquire through effort? You know, so you're gonna acquire some skills, uh, some excellence, uh, some adeptness, and so you're gonna acquire some abilities. So you, you have more value. Your usefulness is increased. Uh, and then you, know, you start to even delight in, in, in your own usefulness. You know, how, how when you're with people, you've got something to offer Uh, Mm -hmm. That identity, you start to develop that really positive identity. So, you know, you're getting, you're getting real yourself, you're, you're, you're getting a recycled of a value to you. Okay, so, so also, you're developing knowledge and mastery, and this would be like your real power. Okay, like talk about Tony Robbins, and those kind of people, um, and mastery, they talk about that a lot, but you know, the power, Mm -hmm. personal, personal power. So then with that, now, you know, you're kind of like going along here. You, you're really developing these skills uh, and you, you, you require some some independence. You're a useful citizen uh, and you're you you're self-reliant because you you, know, you have really something to contribute. So your value is increasing. So I guess what happens along the way is you're making more money and more money. You know, of course, you get, you know, by doing that, you are uh, you become what you call the, the greater person. Uh, you develop your higher self. We uh, we 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 develop our uh, ability to to serve others to put them before ourselves uh, to become more selfless uh, and we we do things with love uh, and we prosper because of that and so now you know again we started out with say money which I'd say is the the smallest um, you know the smallest wage that we get uh, and then happiness is being really the 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 what why we do what we do because we want to have total well being. Uh, the kind the of tranquility, the the inward and outward peace, and that would be the real wage ultimately. But in between, it's kind of like the Oreo cookie, right? You know, you got that you got that nice crunchy outside, but inside you got that that really uh, uh, that really great stuff, that soft uh, uh, you know kind of creamy thing. So that would be the usefulness, the excellence, the power, the independence, and the honor that you develop on the inside of all that. So so I'm kind of really saying this because. Effort is is, is become uh, to me. I I relish in effort. Now I will tell you. I have an age of seventy two years, and I have more energy today than I did when I was when I was twenty. And mm. you've probably heard of that uh, saying, kaizen, the Japanese word. You know the word kaizen? Kaizen sounds familiar. Okay, kaizen in Japanese means continuous and unrelenting. Uh, Development, so you know, Mm -hmm. so it's a, uh, it's a, it's a way of life there, and it's 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 a it's a uh, uh, kaizen uh, means that exactly, so that you're just constantly developing yourself. So obviously, you know, at at my age, um, I uh, and staying in what I do, it's very important that I stay relevant, and so that means that that I have to uh, constantly read and develop myself and make sure Mm -hmm. I stay top of my, my my profession. But it also is about, I know I have to manage my personal relationships in a way that are positive. Uh, that, you know, uh, I have a wonderful family um, and uh, a son and a daughter and a wonderful wife. But, you know, I like to say that uh, I, I, I like to treat them as if I'm a guest in, of them. Okay. I'm a guest in their relationship. In other words, I never own anybody. And so a guest. Hey, I guess you have to act proper in, in if you're a guest of somebody's home, you know, you have you have to act respectfully. Um, because you know, if you don't act good, you know, a guest can be asked to leave, correct? Absolutely. So, so, so it's not just you know, so I think that you know, personal development and and success is 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 uh, all-sided. It's not limited to you know just being able to exercise a particular commercial skill, but it's yep. in the t- of living. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And and that, again, we can probably go on a tangent with that as well. A lot of people don't understand that the overall self needs to be developed. You are not going to start to see your bank account increase unless something is coming from within, unless you, you personally are improving, like you're personally getting better at something. And that that's a, that's a point that I'm hoping to hammer home with this show. that's why I started this show to bring people on to show you guys to, for you guys to hear and listen. You have no more excuses. you have no more excuses. If you've been keeping up with us for the past hour, you have absolutely no more excuses. Get yourself together. you're over your whole self. not just one skill. One skill it's great, but that skill can be taken away from you within a snap within a snap of your fingers. Develop your whole self because you don't know what's coming down the pipeline. You really don't. Man, you know, I, I, I could talk to you for hours, man, I really can, but I want to be very, very respectful of your time. Uh, be, before you go, can you just tell people how they can get in touch with you? You know, what's the best way of contacting you, how, how they can kind of follow up with what you're doing? Uh, thank you very
1: much. Uh, yes, I invite you to be in touch with me and we can certainly discuss about how to build up a great financial future for yourselves and also a personal future as well, because that is really what it's all about. So, I can be reached. My telephone number is 561 827 6287, and that's direct to me. So, I'm giving you my cell phone here. Uh, my website is Assets uh, uh, It's uh, assets Risk Management, but it's Assets RM, A S S E T S R M. Uh, that is a uh, way directly to my website, and there you can find a link to an email to me and I'll be happy to respond. Uh, Again, that's A-S-S-E-T-S-R-M,
0: assetsrm.com. Great, and we'll, uh, we'll also include all that correct spelling and the correct phone number in the show notes as well. And before I officially, officially close, here's what I do with all my guests, is I want you to use your imagination and pretend that you just lost a big deal you don't know where your next check is coming from and you're just low, 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 but you are who you are now. Pretend that person just came in and just speak some words of encouragement to that person. And we'll officially close with that. Okay. There's one word next,
1: next. Okay. So it's always next. Um, I'm back in the day in my my sports days and before actually, I actually had that job at IMG. Um, and I remember, uh, in my home in New Jersey, where I live with my wife, but I remember there was some deal, I forget what it was, but you know, I uh, had made that phone call about whether that was going to go forward or not, and it did not happen. And so you put the receiver down, and then I made another phone call immediately after that. So it's the habit of always doing next, even when you're faced with disappointment. And it can be really difficult to do, but you have to do it right then immediately, not tomorrow, not I'm gonna get over this, not I'm gonna go out and have dinner with my friends and have a couple of beers and cry in my soup or whatever it is, next. It has to be next immediately. That's so important to take an action immediately towards that future.
0: Excellent, excellent, you hear that teammates? Next, 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 all right. Okay, fellow teammates continue to move swiftly. We will talk more soon. Thank
2: you. I got lost out there in this world Looking for a brand new way fall down It's no surprise that things gotten worse And I think God never let me drown But I didn't have to lie to myself so long I didn't have to let myself get so far gone I didn't have so alone I didn't have to die To go to heaven I just had to go home While I was having the time of my life I think my soul Died little every day I'm sorry, you said it's okay, but you should be Through it all, you never walked away But I didn't have to lie to myself it's so long